Oral questions by members? Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, yesterday we received confirmation of the Premier's horrific mismanagement of BC Housing, the Crown Corporation tasked with providing housing to those most in need. This total mismanagement occurred while the Premier was directly responsible for BC Housing, but clearly was asleep at the switch. Yet to believe the Premier, no one at the political level is responsible. Not the member for Coquitlam Millardville when she was the minister responsible, not the Premier when he was the minister responsible. <coughs> he takes no responsibility. But I remind you, Mr. Speaker, that the Premier was the one that made the Treasury Board submissions for the $90 million that he secured for Atira without financial reviews being in place and despite multiple damning reports outlining the misuse of taxpayer dollars. So my question for the Premier, why did the Premier more than triple the funding to Atira at the same time he buried reports that were suggesting exactly the kind of gross financial mismanagement we're only finding out Government House Leader. Thank you so much, Honourable Thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. Well, we're responsible for the report that was just released to the public, the first time in BC's history released without redaction so the public can see the challenges, Honourable Speaker. We take this responsibility very seriously. Now, I think it's important for those watching at home to have the context uh, of, uh, of, uh, of the steps that were taken. Uh, Premier became the Minister responsible for housing. He saw some issues that concerned him. He he went to the Office Controller General. He actually brought in uh, EY. They made recommendations last year on things BC Housing can do to ensure that there's uh, greater oversight of projects. Those things, many of them have been done and many are more under progress. But they also identified some specific new challenges or new issues that they felt was needed uh, for their investigation. And that's what the premiers took the next steps on, was to bring EY in, as was highlighted yesterday, a team flew in from Toronto, to look at this new information. Now, the information is clear that uh, the former CEO, Mr. Ramsey, and the uh, CEO of uh, Atera, um, who are married, uh, saw some additional benefits because uh, this, the former CEO was uh, pushing staff to send more contracts and more dollars to Atera at the expense of others. Now, Honourable Speaker, we all agree in this House that rules must be followed. It's unacceptable behaviour. That's why I felt strongly that this report, the information that was made available to us, needed to be made public. Now, it's important for everyone in this House to know that around 2020, we were in a pandemic. Uh, there were uh, additional dollars required for the not-for-profits to support the most vulnerable people in this province. Now, what is unacceptable and what the report highlights was that the decisions made by uh, then the CEO of BC Housing to direct award contracts to Atera and not make them available for other not-for-profits uh, is unacceptable. It's, it's wrong. We all agree on that in this House. But what, what, is, what was vital during the pandemic, what's vitally important was that we supported the most vulnerable people. And that's what we did, Honourable Speaker. Leader of the Official Opposition, supplemental. Well, Mr. Speaker, that is possibly the most ridiculous amount of spin I have ever seen <laughs> on a subject that, 
that this government is entirely responsible for, so let's do have some context. It actually goes back to 2018, when BDO, an accounting firm, came out with a scathing report on the mismanagement and, and carelessness with, with taxpayer dollars that was taking place at BC Housing Corporation and at ATIRA. What did the NDP do with that report? They buried it for four years. It was only when this opposition brought it forward that uh, finally we started to find out that there was huge problems there. Um, so what was the Premier's response? He initially said he hadn't seen the report, he wasn't aware of it. The next day apparently his memory was refreshed. Now he had some familiarity with the report. But that was only after he had BC Housing draft a press release saying, oh, that's all been taken care of. That was all old news that we've all taken care of. That was not the case. The BDO report found incorrect, incomplete, misleading information. And yet, during this entire time, we saw more reports come out. Now we had the Ernst & Young report come out, which the Premier, then the Housing Minister responsible, quietly posted on the Friday evening of a long weekend. Imagine that. That's the NDP's idea of transparency. Then the following Friday, what does he do? He fires the entire NDP-appointed board. That was, that's the transparency from this government, this NDP government. And then after firing the board, the Premier's response is, it had nothing to do with any suggestion of impropriety whatsoever. Nothing to see here, folks. That's the message that the Premier and the NDP have been giving the public. And we know now that that was not true. It is a damning pattern of evasion and misleading and not being straight up with the public. And you owe a duty to the public to stand up right now and come clean about the fact, Mr. Speaker, that $90 million by this current Premier went before Treasury Board that he brought forward. Why was he more than increased in the funding by over 300% at the same time he was sitting on reports that showed the damning amount of misuse of public funds? Mr. Speaker, uh, Mr. Speaker, <coughs> transparency is when you have a report like this to make it public without reduction. Well, that's, tra that's transparency. <laughs> it's, Honourable Speaker, it's it's not it's not uh, ripping pages out of a report. It's not ripping pages out of a report, which we've seen. Honourable Speaker, it's, members, it's not. Members. It's not triple deleting uh, um, emails. That's not what it is, Honourable Speaker. This, this, this is not uh, documenting things on post-it notes, Honourable Speaker. This is seeing a report that's clearly in the public interest and releasing it for the first time in BC's history under Freedom of Information Act, Honourable Speaker. That's transparency. Members. That level of transparency is shameful. Maybe the member will have a question, and I'm happy to answer that. Now, the member talks about a BDO report. That report was made by the uh, board at the time. Uh, it was not made uh, available to the minister uh, at the time. The board made a decision that uh, they felt at that time it didn't need further action. Now, Shh. members, members, let the minister answer, please. Members will come to order. Please continue. Now, Honourable Speaker, I think it's a fair comment for the public to ask that since 2012, there's been news stories about this. In fact, 
in 2012, there was a report asking the minister at the time uh, around conflict of interest, because by the way, um, this uh, relationship started in 2010. At the time, Minister Coleman said, I can assure you that everything was done that had to be done, uh, and then some. We were, they were very cautious about it. And so, Honourable Speaker, I think now we reflect back to those news stories and think, why weren't steps taken earlier? I can assure the members... Members, 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 please. Minister will continue. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. I can assure the members of this House and the public that when the Premier saw something inappropriate, he took action, Honourable Speaker, just like he did with the... Just members. like you did with money laundering, just like you did with ICBC, just like you did with BC Laundry <coughs> Corporation. That's the type of public transparency that we provide on this side. Leader of the official opposition. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We now have a better idea for all the British Columbians watching today. We now have a better idea why the Canadian Association of Journalists calls this the most secretive government in Canada. Oh, they're so transparent. They only sat on this latest report for two months. And the only reason they released it was because of pressure from this opposition in question period. But they finally, finally said this But the truly shocking the truly shocking element here, Mr. Please. Speaker, is the fact that this Premier, while sitting on two extremely damaging reports, the earlier BDO report from 2018 and the Ernst & Young report, which disclosed and exposed all the financial management that was taking place at BC Housing under the Premier's watch while he was Minister Responsible, and particularly the mismanagement that was taking place at their largest housing provider, Atira, he still felt it was appropriate to increase the funding by 335% to that housing organization. That is fascinating to me. But yesterday, I heard the Premier say that he, uh, as he tried to shift blame entirely from his own failures, the Premier astonishingly had the audacity to claim in this House, and I quote, he was concerned about the spike in funding at Atira. End of quote. Well, that is really interesting, given that he was the minister that brought it forward to Treasury Board and asked for that extra $90 million for Atira. <coughs> this shocking misrepresentation, evasion, sh blame shifting by this Premier is, exemplifies what is going on and why we have not got housing for the society's most vulnerable. No wonder they haven't come close to meeting their housing targets. If not this Premier, then who is responsible for the massive run-up in funding to ATIRA and the gross mismanagement that was outlined in that report? Who is responsible? Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. There's um, so much misinformation in there, I don't know where to start. Um, I don't know where to start. I'll start with... Uh, Members. <coughs> Members, both sides. Members. Members. Question was asked.
Now let's hear the answer, please. Let's be respectful to each other. Thank you. Thank you so much, Honorable Speaker. Uh, first, I'll start with releasing the report. Uh, when um, the report was made available to me, uh, immediately upon reading it, uh, I believed that it was... Members, it's not very cute when you keep interrupting, please. Please, both sides. Thank you, Continue. Honorable Speaker. Uh, upon re uh, receiving the report, um, uh, I was uh, very disturbed by the findings. Uh, I made sure immediately that staff uh, stopped any additional funding that may be going to Aterra. I then uh, expressed my, to my team, to the legal team that uh, was advising me, that I be believed that uh, this should be released to the public because it's in the public interest. I was advised that in order to do so, uh, that I must uh, inform the entities named in the report and give them sufficient time to make representations. The deadline was April 25th um, for representations. Then uh, we, uh, upon a request, extended that to April 28th. Uh, after that, I reviewed the representations and made the decision last week that I still believe that the report should be re received, uh, um, made available to the public without any redaction. Honorable Speaker, those are the steps we took. That's the level of transparency that we want to ensure. Now, the member talks about the $90 million. I think it's important to note that we were in the middle of a pandemic. We had people who had uh, extreme needs. Uh, I know that people want to forget about that time, and certainly I think it's um, uh, easier to forget about that time, but we had people who needed supports. And so we increased the amount of investments to ensure that people had housing, people had all the types of supports they need. Now, what is fundamentally wrong, Honorable Speaker, is with that support that was provided, that BC Housing, uh, under the direction of the former CEO, was directing funds uh, more to his partner's not-for-profit and not to other not-for-profits. Uh, that is fundamentally wrong. But we're not going to apologize for making additional investments to support the most vulnerable people in the middle of a pandemic. Member for Evans for West. Uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, I have a copy of a letter dated May the 4th uh, of this year uh, signed by the present chair of BC Housing and sent to uh, Atira. It includes a series of demands. Uh, included uh, in those demands is a, uh, a demand for what they term leadership renewal. Uh, my question to the Premier is clearly the letter was sent uh, on orders from the government. Is the Premier demanding that Atira fire executives? If so, which ones? And if so, why? Minister. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. The letter was sent from the, the Chair of BC Housing, who uh, is a man of integrity, who served here as the Deputy Attorney General under the, uh, the um, opposition when they were in government. Uh, he followed up on a conversation that he had with the chair of Atera regarding the concerns that were raised in the report. Uh, my view is, uh, certainly, that um, uh, in order for them to continue to serve the public in a good way and serve the most vulnerable people, that they take the actions uh, that are required to ensure the public has confidence that they can continue to do so, Honourable Speaker. And certainly, I suspect that's what the uh, chair conveyed to the chair of Atera. 
Member for Abstor West, supplemental. Thanks, Honourable Chair. Quite frankly, in the aftermath of the report that has been tabled, I would have thought that the Minister, the Premier, the Government would be in a position to provide more certain information than I'm guessing. It's pretty clear uh, that orders were given to send this, uh, to send this letter to Atira. Uh, the response, uh, however, is interesting. I, I presume the Premier and the Minister uh, are aware of the response. Uh, dated May the 5th from Atira uh, to BC Housing. Uh, you call for, quote, leadership renewal, which we understand to be a euphemism for terminating one or more senior executives. We decline to do so at this time, and we continue to have confidence in our executive team. So the Premier, who wants to maintain this facade that he was a hapless victim, unaware of all of these shenanigans that were taking place, uh, has now sent a letter via BC Housing saying, I want you to fire someone. And the agencies he sent it to has said, no. So what's the Premier going to do about it? Minister. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Um, surely the member knows that they're an independent organization, arm's length away from government. Uh, decisions made about their leadership in the end. Decisions made by them uh, ultimately in the end will be made by their board. Uh, certainly, uh, I've already made it clear that I'm of the opinion that changes need to happen there. It can't be business as usual, Honourable Speaker. It cannot be business as usual. Uh, now, the, the letter the member refers to uh, also mentioned that the um, CEO hadn't read the report, uh, that only their board chair had read the report. Um, that's unacceptable. Given the severity of the findings that the CEO and the other board members hadn't read the report, um, yet that was a position they've, t they've taken, uh, I think is, um, is uh, uh, very troubling. But that being said, Honourable Speaker, uh, the decisions made by the board around their leadership has got to be made by them. Uh, what we are going to be doing is taking the actions that we need to do. We're starting immediately inspections on all of the Terra sites. Uh, we're uh, freezing all new additional fundings that are going to Terra. We're asking for an independent government representative to keep an eye on uh, some of the uh, actions that they'll be taking. Honourable Speaker, these are the steps that we can take within the, the realms of what we have, and we're going to continue to um, uh, urge them to do the right thing. House Leader of Third Party. And thank you, Mr. Speaker. I asked the Minister of Public Safety about independent oversight of the BC Conservation Service. The BCCOS website says, quote, conservation officers are highly trained, dedicated individuals responsible for enforcing 33 federal and provincial statutes. They hold special provincial constable status under the Police Act and have unrestricted appointment to enforce acts and statutes and protect the public and preserve the peace, end quote. They dress like police, drive police-like vehicles, use police-like tactics, carry police-like assault rifles, have all the powers under the Police Act, but are not subject to police-like independent oversight and have no constabulary independence. They are directly responsible to the Minister of the Environment the Minister of Public Safety responded that incidents with weapons should go to the in Independent Investigations Office and issues around toxicity of culture should go to the Public Service Agency. But Section 6 of the Police Act states the Public Service Act does not apply to special con uh, provincial constables while in the course of exercising a constabulary duty. So is the Public Service Agency acting like the Police Complaints Commissioner for Special Constables? 
When I tried to ask them that question, I got rerouted back to the BCCOS chief and the Ministry of the Environment. My question, Mr. Speaker, is to the Minister of Public Safety. He says his ministry is working on trying to fix this shocking lack of oversight. The Special Committee on Reforming the Police Act raised this issue a year ago and still nothing. When will he act? Minister of Public Safety. Thank you, uh, Honourable Chair. I appreciate the question from the member. Um, as I have stated uh, previously uh, in this House uh, and in the estimates process, uh, there are changes coming to the Police Act uh, this fall. Uh, there will be the first phase, uh, which will be dealing with uh, governance and accountability, and I'm expecting to table that legislation this fall. Member Supplemental. It's been a year, Mr. Speaker, of lack of oversight for the BC Conservation Service. The antiquated legislation unleashes the authority of the Minister of the Environment to direct a provincial policing agency, the BC Conservation Service, in environmental investigations. Investigations of serious and potential serious environmental crime like Mount Pauly and large-scale forestry non-compliance, Mr. Speaker. To admit the BCCOS is a fully functional and unrestricted environmental policing agency, it limits the powers of the Public Service Agency and the BC General Employees Union, restricting the BC NDP's ability to access information or influence investigations over environmental crimes. The provincial government would be subject to internal policing reviews of environmental decisions under both the provincial uh, offence provision and perhaps the Criminal Code of Canada. We're starting to see why it's taken a year for this to happen. Constabulary independence should be enforced and as a cardinal principle of our democracy and rule of law, Mr. Speaker, just as the Minister of Public Safety reminds me often in this House about the rule of law. Conservation officers who put their lives on the line every day must know that they have a safe place to do their police work on environmental matters and currently they do not. My question is again, through you, Mr. Speaker, to the Minister of Public Safety. The Police Act is his responsibility. He's currently allowing this heavily armed service with all the powers of police but no independent oversight to be under the direct control of his, minister, his colleague, the Minister of the Environment. Serious crimes need investigation, and his loitering is threatening the safety of the public and the people who do his work. Does he support the status quo? Minister of Public Safety. Thank you, uh, Honourable Chair. And there's a lot in that question. Um, I, will, I will answer it this way. First off, uh, we have a very professional um, conservation service in the province of British Columbia. We have a very professional conservation service in the province of British Columbia, composed of men and women who do their job and they t uh, effectively and they take that job seriously. As I outlined to the member during estimates, that if there was an issue, for example, with a firearm, uh, their independent investigations office has every ability to investigate, which they would. Uh, at the same time, I have also outlined that there are changes coming in terms of the uh, Police Act on the work, in part, of the work of the All-Party Committee. Um, and I can tell a member, as I said in estimates, there has been a significant amount of work underway on those changes in terms of consultation, not only with stakeholders, Indigenous nations, um, but communities right across the province, Honourable Member. And a key part of those changes that I said are coming in the fall deal with issues of governance and accountability, which includes oversight. Uh, so, Honourable, Spe uh, Honourable Speaker, uh, the work has been underway. It has been thorough. 
Uh, there are changes coming in the fall. I can tell the member that we have a very professional conservation uh, officer, or, uh, um, uh, officers in this province, and uh, they do an amazing job. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. The draft BDO report, which first identified mismanagement at Atira, was completed in November of 2018. That was five years ago, Mr. Speaker. Page six of the BDO report states very clearly that this was based on a review of Atira's 2018 financial statements. This draft report was then systematically concealed both by the Premier in his capacity as Minister of Housing and his predecessor, until a whistleblower leaked that report just this last year. So, Mr. Speaker, why did the Premier not only neglect to take corrective action, but also increase the tier of funding and deliberately bury the BDO report? Minister of Housing. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And uh, the, you know, the statement the member made is false. The, the decision... The decision uh, around the BDO report was made by the board, which then when the Premier became the Premier, uh, the, he changed the board. Uh, it wasn't a decision made by the Minister. It wasn't brought to the Minister at the time that was responsible. And, uh, and so, and, and then as far as the $90 million, I mean, I've already answered that question, which is the $90 million additional funding was about supporting the most vulnerable people through the pandemic. Uh, we uh, did make historic investments through the pandemic to support people, to support businesses. Honourable Speaker, that's why we've come out of the pandemic in a better way than many other jurisdictions around the world, Honourable Speaker. The decision wasn't made to give $90 million to Aterra. The decision was made to give additional dollars in the portfolio to support the most vulnerable people. Now, do I agree with the member that it was inappropriate for the former CEO of VC Housing Members. to direct award? dollars to Atera, where his partner is a CEO? Yes, I disagree with that. That's not the way things should be done. Clearly, they members, went to... It's, it's clear members. in the report that they went to uh, to great extent to uh, not only direct award uh, dollars to uh, Atera, but also to hide it from others on the board, from hide it from some of their colleagues, Honourable Speaker. And that type of behaviour is unacceptable. Member for Prince George Wailmont. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. And by any measure, this minister can stand up and he can try to duck and dodge all he wants, but by any measure, this is a damning report. And all of the evidence, all of it, points to a Premier who knew about significant mismanagement and he failed to act. That's what the public understands. Let's look at page 7 of the report, because what it reveals is that under this Premier's watch, and I quote, VC's housing financial reviews of Atira have been substantially delayed. The most recent completed financial review was for fiscal year 2020, and it was finalized in August of 2022, end quote. So instead of ensuring that financial reviews were completed. What did the Premier do in his role as the Housing Minister? He made Treasury Board submissions, knowing all about the mismanagement. And what did he do? He secured an additional $90 million for Atira. Wow. So maybe the uh, Premier could answer this question. Why on earth did he triple Atira's funding without any completed financial reviews since 2020? Minister of Housing. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. 
Uh, when the Premier saw something inappropriate, he took action, Honourable Speaker. When he saw something inappropriate, he took action, Honourable Speaker. The first members, report on EUI to the review of members, housing. Members, please. Members. Mr. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, when he uh, first saw that there was something inappropriate there, when he was shown uh, text messages of the former CEO uh, encouraging staff to award direct contracts to Atera, he brought in the changes in EV. He, he replaced the board because he knew that there were going to be uh, there's going to be more capacity needed there to make the transformational changes that need to happen, Honourable Speaker. Um, and if the member, if the, if, I mean. There, the members are appalled that the former CEO took steps to uh, uh, urge staff to direct award money to Atera. We're all with them. We think that's inappropriate. That's wrong, Honourable Speaker. That's why we released the report uh, as the way we have done, Honourable Speaker. Now, um, I also share with the member the concern that there was a culture that was established at BC Housing, where uh, if a Terra came for dollars, that they were given dollars to help them with cash flow and other issues. Honourable Speaker, that's that's wrong. Uh, again, findings in this report we made public. Honourable Speaker, for for the, for the members to suggest that uh, all of a sudden this all happened, 2012. There's reports when they were in government where people were suggesting that members, oh, oh. members. Members, the, members, no, come the, to order, please. The member says no one believes it. She, she, the member across the way was a cabinet minister at the time. Her colleague is reported in the newspaper saying, hey, we've taken all the actions. The relationship started. Members, please. The relationship started in 2010, Honourable Speaker. And so, yes, I think that uh, uh, it's fair for people to say how from 20. 10 to 2012 when the news started, how come action wasn't taken? What I can share with the members is when the Premier saw something inappropriate, he took steps to ensure not only that action was taken, but the report was made public. Opposition House Leader. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Well, for the, the minister opposite to frame this as a Premier taking action is actually pathetic and it's laughable. It is, it is not borne out by the facts. The, the fact of the matter is this, the Premier has his fingerprints all over this scandal at, at Atira in uh, BC Housing. And let's just, let's just uh, refresh everyone's memories here. We, it starts with a BDL report <coughs> being buried by this Premier back in, in 2020, after he became the Minister responsible for housing. The public only found out about it because it was leaked by a whistleblower. Then the ENY review of, of BC Housing uh, is posted on the uh, government's website uh, over the Canada Day long weekend. Then the Premier fires the, uh, the entire board in June of 2022 and looks in the camera and tells British Columbians, don't, don't, don't worry about anything, there was no wrongdoing whatsoever here. In fact, the Premier goes so far as to direct uh, BC Housing, when he was the Minister responsible for, for housing, to actually have BC Housing issue a news release telling British Columbians that all is fine at BC Housing. Then the Premier leaves Cabinet uh, for his, uh, his leadership campaign um, uh, in July of 2022, still with the BDO report being, being sat on. He then tells, uh, when he comes back to, to, uh, to the Executive Council as Premier, he tells CKNW, tells British Columbians through CKNW, that he knows nothing about this report, only to change his tune the very next day where he says, and I quote, I didn't recognize the report that the reporter was describing to me. 
but I am familiar with that report now. Oh, how convenient is that? Then he announces that he has secretly uh, launched a, a, an ENY, a second ENY investigation, this time a forensic audit, but, but sits on that for, for two months. Throughout this entire period, this Premier increases funding at ATIRA. Members. This, this Premier increases funding at ATIRA to $90 million, over 300%. That's under, under this Premier. But, but, Mr. Speaker, but, Mr. Speaker, then the Premier says, uh, th th then we find out that all uh, funding has been suspended at ATIRA, only to then learn. Members. This is, in, this members. is just the other. The, this is back in March. The March of this year, we're told all funding is suspended uh, to ATIRA. Member will ask question. And now we're told that actually there are still projects that are being funded uh, for ATIRA. Mr. Speaker, this is an absolute and complete mess, and it's characteristic of how this Premier does business evasion, blame, finger pointing, and deception. The question is this how is it that nobody, most of, not least of which the Premier, how is it that nobody has stood up and been accountable for the consequences of this scandal, which has happened under? Let's hear the answer, please. No, no interruptions. Uh, thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. The Premier saw something inappropriate and he took action, Honourable Speaker. He, he, didn't, he didn't rip pages out of an ICBC report. No. When he saw something inappropriate, he saw changes needed, he did it, Honourable Speaker. Honourable Speaker, he didn't triple delete triple delete emails, Members. he didn't triple delete text messages, Honourable Speaker. He didn't do that, Honourable Speaker. He, everything the Premier has touched, he has made sure that there's full transparency. ICBC, uh, BC Lottery Corporation, uh, the changes around money laundering, Honourable Speaker. What we saw was something inappropriate. We took action, Honourable Speaker. We made the report public. Members. We made the report public for the first time using Freedom of Information Act unredacted to the public, Honourable Speaker. That's the level of transparency that we do on this side of the House. The bell ends the question period.